Welcome to the Deacon's Den, your neighborhood cozy cafe for Catholic conversation dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. I'm Deacon Dave, your proprietor and host, and I have a corner booth reserved just for you. So come on in. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the long-awaited reopening of the Deacon's Den, and we are so glad to be back. Like all of you, we've been in great anticipation of the day when we could throw open the doors and meet you all again in our virtual neighborhood pub. When we last gathered in April, businesses across the state of Florida had just closed down, and Deacon Joe and I actually had to connect by phone to record that last episode. But now, with careful phased reopenings being mostly successful, we're back in the den ready to resume our Catholic conversation primarily dedicated to discussions distinctly diaconate. Last spring when we shut down, we were on the countdown for the ordination of 15 men to the permanent diaconate in June. And just like so many important events and so many lives, that celebration was indefinitely postponed due to the pandemic. As restrictions began to lift in the second half of the summer, we dared to dream and set the new ordination date as October 3rd in the hope that COVID-19 would have run its course by then. While our optimism was a bit overstated in relation to the virus, we remained hopeful that we could successfully celebrate this ordination, even in the midst of prudent restrictions. So that's our topic for today. Diaconate Ordination 2020, Celebrating Joy in the Time of Pandemic. Joining Deacon Joe and me in the den for this episode is the inimitable administrative assistant for the Office of Permanent Deacons in the Diocese of Orlando, Jennifer Kuhn. Jennifer is not only the brains in our office, but she played a primary role in the planning and execution of this celebration. So welcome, Jennifer, to the corner booth. Please tell our guests a little bit about yourself before we dive into today's topic. Well, thank you so much for having me, and wow, what an introduction. I have, as many of you have known, I've been with the diocese for about three years. Before then, I was in the real estate industry for 21 years, did all facets of real estate, from selling to listing coordination, sales coordination, HR, payroll, you name it, we did it. But I got a bit burned out with that. So it brought me here. (laughs) And so we joined the deacon. Yeah, that's right. So so I don't have to be burned out anymore. Okay. So it brought me here, which um, was one of the things that I wanted to do was grow in my faith. And, And I can say within the last almost three years, I think I've accomplished some. <laughs> some. <laughs> Us too. And reinforced others. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you certainly have been a wonderful addition uh, to this team and an important part of the team. And as we're going to be talking about today, you really were asked to play a critical role in pulling off this ordination. So let's jump into the topic. And to set the stage for this task we're facing today, in or the task we faced in hosting the ordination during a global pandemic, Let me ask Deacon Joe to set the scene for us. So, Joe, using the last diaconal ordination as a reference point, so back in 2018, especially for those who have never attended an ordination before, what are some of the characteristics that make this celebration so special, and what types of challenges did that mean we were going to face? When I think about the ordinations in a normal situation, normal times, the pageantry, to seeing 120, 
125 to 130 deacons process in before these, you know, right after the newly ordained is processed in. I mean, this this was a special one because this was equaled the number of deacons that we've ordained to the permanent diaconate in the past. So, I mean, you've got a lot of white <laughs> albs walking in, a handful of priests, you know, the bishop. It's just one of those spectacles that even if you're not being ordained, just to be that person in the pews to see that spectacle mm -hmm. of understanding the importance of this almost wedding march that's happening. And yeah. then we had this year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, you know, you just you just hit a, the nail on the head with part of this is that yeah, 120 deacons, priests, bishops, just that number is the maximum equivalent of what most parishes right now can have to attend a Sunday mass during the pandemic. Right. So we haven't even gotten to the point of guests because I recall the last ordination, that basilica was packed. It, it was, was standing packed. room only. And, and you could imagine, you know, I mean, the last time we did 14 men was in 2009 mm -hmm. and they were standing along the walls back in the vestibule area. I mean, the place was literally packed. They were sitting on top of each other. Hopefully, Some cases, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Hopefully that was just babysitting on mom's lap. But, you know, you never know. But, you know, the, the entire church celebrates with them. So their parishes were bringing busloads mm -hmm. of people to celebrate with the one man that's saying yes to a lifetime of serving God in his community. So it really is a pageantry spectacle is the word you used. Right. Massive crowds. And without question, the crowds of family, friends and parishioners who wish to gather to attend the ordination to celebrate with these men was certainly going to be an issue <laughs> this year, yes. as you said. And now we have 2020. So, Jennifer, yeah. this is where this uh, pops over to you now. Uh, oh, great coordinator. Um, what were some of the steps that were needed to put in place to manage the masses? First off, we needed to figure out exactly how many people we could have in the Basilica. And I don't know if you remember, our first number was 300. Right. And right. we all nearly cried over that. <laughs> but then as time went on and regulations, they were lifting a little bit, we got up to 500. I think with that part, it was just seating our trips to the Basilica to <laughs> tape out, literally tape out where people would sit was probably the most important part of planning this. I, I remember those trips because there were parishioners <laughs> that thought we were construction workers <laughs> because we came in with tapes. We came in, you know, the measuring tapes, we had the blue tape to yep. mark things yes. off and people thought, oh no, they're going to pull more pews out of the Basilica. What are these crazy folks doing? So. Yes, those were memorable times, the three of us and Deacon Paul as well, too, going down and measuring the space. So, I think that was probably the key thing. I mean, I had my checklists, you know, for setting up the meetings with Bishop, getting their invitations ordered and out. That All of that stuff was easy. It was the seating, probably our biggest and most challenging challenge for sure. Well, I think so, it even got more challenging when you say, well, here's my guest list. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> the issue. Yep. And because they're loved ones, I love my family, I love my friends, and all of a sudden family and friends are saying, wait a minute, it's COVID. I am not going in a group that big. Yeah. That's true. Well, and, so and switch out. Yeah, so it was, it, was the best, it was both ends of that too because we came up with this number of 500 people. And then we, with that, in 14 men, we went back to them and said, initially we had said, give us two lists, right? 
your top 25 and the next 15, just in case we could have gotten up to 40 per. Obviously, 40 per was not going to work with the deacons attending, the priests attending. So now 25, and you had the joyful uh, responsibility to go back and tell these guys, yeah, top 25. How did that go? For the most part, it went very well. I think we have to remember they were supposed to be ordained in June. So just having them pushed back to finally getting the date of October 3rd, they were willing to do anything we asked of them. <laughs> just ordain me, please. Just please. They yeah. were you know, tired. They wanted to start serving. And so for the most part, they were really good. Sometimes, you know, they tried to slip in one or two extra. <laughs> but if we were able to accommodate, we did. And if we weren't, we couldn't. Then you had some that, like Deacon Joe said, their families just wanted to watch online mm. and participate via live stream. So that opened up even a few more seats that we could add. It went well. And I think you just hit another very important point here is during the, the pandemic, we have gotten much more comfortable with using live stream to share in celebrations together. Mm -hmm. uh, not only liturgical celebrations, right. but families are doing that, right? For parties, anniversaries. I've heard about live stream weddings. Seems odd to me, but it's Life happening. Stream funerals. Okay, that is even odder. You're right. You're correct, sir. So we did provide the live stream option. That was a critical component of being able to pull this off. So it was not just the 500 people in the Basilica that day. It right. was thousands more. I don't know the number that would have watched it, but I know there was a bunch. So it was a community event, like no matter what. Mm -hmm. So instead of the buses coming in, they just sat on their couches watching. <laughs> We, we hope that's what they did. We didn't, we didn't need any uh, other events, gatherings, anyplace else just to watch this together. So, Deacon Joe, I want to go back over to you now. So if Jennifer was dealing with the front of the house, as it were, she was she was dealing with all of all of the guests who were coming and trying to organize the seating. And we'll talk more what happened that day in terms of of how we executed the plan, because it's great to have things on paper, but that's just on paper. We don't have right. people. But. Looking back at the liturgical movement itself, as you said, this is great pageantry, ancient rite, and yet there were considerations that had to be in place in terms of the liturgical movement and the fact that we were going to be in close proximity to each other. What were some of the th considerations that we had to take into consideration at that point? You know, I think some of the considerations actually turned out to be a very good benefit because it added to not only the appearance of of their movements and where they're standing, but that intimate opportunity for 14 men to spend time with their bishop mm -hmm. and all the different facets of the ordination was absolutely amazing. The pictures, you know, I got a chance to sit back and look at some of the pictures and it's like, they, they were beautiful mm -hmm. to do that many men and, and they moved so well. I don't know what the difference was, but even at the practice when they were practicing in their albs, and they just uh, announcing that they were present and stepping into the aisle and just watching the lines. It's like, wow, this mm -hmm. is this is almost as good as a military movement. <laughs> I, I think they were terrified of us. That's probably why they, <laughs> they lined up so well. But yeah, you know, we had this whole consideration of masks. So right. we were all wearing masks. If we could keep people distant to some degree, right, in the congregation, although we had that that same mandate for them, right, Jennifer, that mm -hmm. they had to wear masks as well. But once we get into the rite of ordination, where there needs to be proximity to the bishop, 
masks became imperative. Right. And you had a nice little touch. You actually brought it <laughs> with you here. You want to talk a little or bit about it? that? Well, you know, uniformity and when you're looking at, you know, thinking of pictures and all of that. So one of the ideas I had was, well, I'm going to make sure they all have the exact same mask. We were wearing the exact same alb, basically. It just added something to it. You know, even in this special thing. And that's something I think if it was my ordination, I'd be putting a date on it and putting it in my little cabinet and saying, I don't think we'll ever have to do this ever again. Oh, from your lips so to God's even, ears, even, Joe. <laughs> I said, I hope. <laughs> it was just a beautiful reminder of our unity mm-hmm. and that we are in this together. Right. Okay, so if I just put on my intellectual brain right now and say for, from a planning purpose, all these recommendations sounded reasonably prudent, but I know that every requirement was not universally embraced or welcomed. Where did you see, <laughs> Joe's laughing, oh but God. where did you see the greatest pushback? Jen, uh, we'll start with you in terms of the day of the ordination now. We've got the plan. We've got the seating. We, we've got the wonderful volunteers from cohort 2022. What worked and where did we find challenges? Well, first off, cohort 2022, I can't even, words do not describe how amazing they were. They stepped up from steaming the Dalmatics to taking the seats, the the benches, the stools Mm -hmm. over to the Basilica. I mean, they just really all stepped up. But I had the pleasure of working with a lot of them, um, helping me check the guests in and ushering them to their seats. Because one of the challenges that we were told is we couldn't have people congregating out. And sometimes that would get a little bit hairy, but they worked through it really well. Cohort 2022 takes directions very well. So they they did everything that we asked. I think the biggest maybe challenge was perhaps guests that they thought were on the guest list, but actually weren't. And they showed up and we didn't really necessarily have a place for them. However, we did find one. And then perhaps our deacons. They were my biggest <laughs> So all of you deacons listening to this, Jennifer's phone number is... No, 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 no. No, 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 But, no. but it, it's good feedback, right? Sometimes I think the, well, I'm a deacon, you know, I, I got this. I know how to attend uh, ordination, but this was a different ordination. It was. And, they, and a lot of the deacons had wonderful questions prior to, where do I vest? Where, where do I go? And... You know, as much as we thought we were being pretty clear, the day of, it just didn't seem to be very clear. So, but that's okay. That's something we can learn and take for the next one. Right. (laughs) Yeah, because one of the limitations, since you mentioned it, was deacons, we did not have a room for them to vest. Correct. Because we didn't want to have, you know, 60, 70 people all in one room together Mm -hmm. in a tight space. So we asked them to vest at their, their cars. That's for those of us that have attended a lot of funerals, a lot of celebrations during the course of this pandemic. We're used to that, but it wasn't true for all of them. You're right. There was some confusion. There was. And and we had said it was my job to check the deacons in and then we would have them seated. And they forgot that they were to go left. They went right. (laughs) So they would go to the check-in desk, which was fine. So we would just kind of help them move 
over mm-hmm. and come see me and check in. But for the most part, I would say that was probably my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Seating in general was my biggest challenge. Sure. However, we just made it work. And I really, I couldn't have done it without 2022 and their help. Shout out for 2022. I hope they're listening. <laughs> Joe, on the on the liturgical end, uh, I mean, it looked pretty good, but were there any things that surprised you, caught you by surprise as we moved through that uh, ordination? Like I said, it, it, it was beautiful that the men responded, the newly ordained were responding very well. I think the interesting part came when it, for the kiss of peace, hmm. where we had a plan <laughs> that basically said, only their invited deacons, their mentors were going to be the ones so that we could limit physical contact. Right. That didn't work. <laughs> you know, the next thing nope. you know, we're looking up and it's, they're all coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, creatures a habit. I understand their desire to welcome the yes. brothers into the fraternity, but you're right. That, I don't think we could have. Th- that was like opening a floodgate yeah, and saying, how yeah. could you not go out and embrace yeah. these men? Yeah. And I think that was the biggest pushback that I heard and feedback mm-hmm. it's like it was live streamed right that we hugged it <laughs> yeah and i certainly understand the kind of the concern there um you know fortunately what we know what we've been taught we've talked to doctors and and, right. and looked at all of the best scientific and medical evidence that that quick hug as long as you're wearing a mask right. puts you at pretty low risk but it did catch all of us by surprise i remember yes. those of us that went through at the the start with the bishop, we're like, is this ever going to end? But but, uh, but again, um, you know, I love the fact that our, our brothers welcomed them into community. It didn't cause any serious problems. Thanks be to God. Um, so, you know, we, we right. certainly move forward. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think I, I went back and I watched the game tape, right? I went right. and I watched the ordination after the fact to see, and it was beautiful. It was, right. I mean, the diocesan choir, spectacular. The liturgical movement, you know, clean, looked like we knew what we were doing, and we weren't making it up in a new way for the first time. Right. But, you know, I'll go back to a point you made at the start. I missed that procession of 100 deacons and 30 right. priests. and But, you know, that's a small price to pay to be able to get these guys right. ordained. And I think we found that in this intimate setting with just the few, mm-hmm. that there was a sense, a, a new sense of reverence for what was happening. I saw it in the priest ordination also with the few guests mm-hmm. and the two of them really getting intimate time and really you can you can take in the sacrament right we can't forget this is not just something we do and it's mm-hmm. a bunch of pageantry and a show off mm-hmm. it is a reception of a sacrament and i think that's you know that's the bottom line right the sacrament was conveyed in a beautiful, right. uh, just a beautiful and intimate way, like the term we've used, even intimate with 500 people. Um, <laughs> you know, and so while there were some gotchas, we learned some things. As we say in the Deacon's Den, you know, kitchen, the proof is in the pudding. And right. the pudding was pretty darn good that day. Yes. So I have one final question for you as we're coming near the end of, the, uh, of our time together. Are you ready for another ordination like that? I'm saying give yes. me two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all hope we don't have to do it, but I think we learned enough, right? I, I think we did, too. I'm going to be sad I won't have my 2022 guys there, but... We could delay their 20... ordination, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll go over well. Wait a minute, they're the ones that will be ordained. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. That but you'll true. have 2024, and by then they'll learn to listen. Oh, good. That, that's, that's good. <laughs> but I think the deacons, you know, I kind of jokingly said they didn't pay attention or they you know didn't mm-hmm. read and mm-hmm. stuff but 
I agree. I think they just, they wanted to be a part of it. Some of them, this was the first time they've actually kind of been out in mm, a setting like point. this. Right. I wish I could have spent more time with them, but. It was you know, interesting. It was one, one of the feedbacks day. I got was that one of the men from the 2018 came up and said, you know, I went through it in 2018, but now being able to participate as a deacon and hear and see what happened to me mm. was more meaningful. Wow. I think that's true. In an ordination, you get so overwhelmed, mm -hmm. you get to see it. So, you know, I think the bottom line is, for me at least, and it sounds like from this conversation, that even in this time of pandemic, we can still celebrate those important occasions mm -hmm. that mark the liturgical cycle of the church. Yes, we need to take prudent measures to minimize risk, which is what we did. And some may be inconvenient, some may be personally disappointing. But if we exercise common sense and personal discipline, we can and should still live the joy of the gospel, not only in our church's liturgies, but in our daily lives. You know, it's likely we'll need to live with restrictions of some sort for several months longer until a vaccine is fully tested and distributed. But I encourage everyone not to be discouraged. After all, we are Alleluia people. So what's next on the menu? Well, we did just ordain more than a dozen men, so I think possibly their feet may have just returned to the ground. So we'll reach out to a few of them to see if they will join us in our next episode to share their firsthand impressions of the ordination and their first few weeks of ordained ministry. Sadly, we've reached closing time of the Deacon's Den, but I'm glad you dropped by. Come back in when you hunger for hearty discussions on the diaconate and Catholic conversation. Just remember, wear your mask and wash your hands. Until we meet again, I pray you walk closely with God on life's journey. And when you feel the urge to visit the Deacon's Den, remember, there's always a corner booth reserved just for you.